0: So, what do you guys think of the NBA bubble?
1: Uh, yeah, the NBA bubble uh, was uh, made up of. I so, uh, playing, so the NBA came out. scrimmages started in July 22nd to July 28th, uh, and then the regular season, the last two games of the regular season, uh, was from July 30th to August 14th, uh, and then they had this thing called the play tournament, uh, they added an extra team from each conference because of COVID, um, and that was on August 15th, um, and then the NBA playoffs from, the, uh, from August 17th to December 30th, with um, the Los Angeles Lakers uh, winning the uh, NBA title. The bubble actually cost $190 million.
0: Jesus, that's so expensive. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, but actually, it actually made $1.9 billion, I think, was the revenue. Wow. So they put in, like, quite an investment, but
2: at least they got it back, I guess. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah, that bubble
0: actually did very well for them. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a good example of people adapting to the circumstances that come with COVID-19. Um, because it's, like, it's stopped a lot of things from happening, like yeah. school and businesses. But in this case, it's actually opened up an opportunity because, because of COVID-19, Disney World was closed. So that was a space for them to do this in. Yeah, they're definitely making the best of the situation. Mm-hmm. So I think it's interesting how they're adapting. Like, over time, there's, like, we're learning... M- like we're adapting to the to the things that are opening up opportunities mm-hmm. yeah I think it I think
2: when I say you know that was a smart move for them I'm talking about the NBA as a whole like the, the I don't know the company the corporation Yeah. NBA. but like I think it's super untraditional for them to just send all their players to one place and they're kind of putting their players mental health at risk in a way, because you're just waking up, go and get food, go to training, get more food, you know, spend your evening alone in your room, and then do it all the next day, right? So it's definitely out of the ordinary.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think if we think of it as a story, like, you, you're kind of starting at the beginning, and then you have the rise of COVID-19, and along with that, you have the rise of the NBA bubble itself, and then... Yeah, it's just interesting because the tone of it switched pretty quickly from the beginning where it's like, oh, yay, we're making the best of the situation, to Mm -hmm. the drop where it's just like the players having a hard time with their own mental health. Towards the
1: end of the bubble, like when less and less teams were in the bubble, like in the playoffs, they actually allowed their friends and families to come in the bubble. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they couldn't leave the bubble, but... Uh, the bubble was also very successful. There's actually zero positive COVID tests during the whole NBA bubble, wow, so it was so they, very successful. Yeah.
2: Were they they were doing COVID testing?
1: Yeah, like, well, almost every day they would test all their players, and then there was oh they actually came back zero, uh, zero tests.
0: Yeah, and I think if any players went off grounds, there's like very like specific consequences. I think they'd have to get like an even more in depth COVID test, and they'd have to quarantine for. quite quite a bit of time Mm. it was
1: like
0: 10 to 12 days I think that sounds gross and also every day having that thing
2: shoved in like shoved in your face yeah Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I could handle that
0: yeah yeah I think it went really well for like the whole like you were saying the NBA as a whole because how much money did they make again
1: Uh, it was over like 1.5 billion dollars in my dad in revenue
0: yeah so it definitely went really well for them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what is that compared to like What they usually make in a season?
1: Um, I'm not totally sure what the NBA normally makes, but in a season, but probably still a lot. Yeah, like Mm -hmm. even
2: making that much money from one season is insane. Yeah. Wow. Yeah,
0: because yeah, it was definitely successful for like as a whole, but it definitely must have been hard for like individual players, like getting constant COVID tests and then you're you basically your whole life is basketball because that's why you're there mm-hmm. and there's no, you're cut off from everything else and and your family and your friends so that yeah. would be hard i was looking at
2: the podcast made by vice news reports in 2019 the same year that the covid bubble was happening and um it it was really interesting because they mic'd up two of their players they had one in the wnba and one in the nba and they were both talking about how difficult it was and how they probably wouldn't want to do it again. But if we're in the same situation this time next year, like, you're going to need someone big to say, yeah. I want this to happen. Like, mm-hmm. you were talking about a little bit before
0: how Michael Jordan wasn't in favor of it, mm-hmm. it or something. Right. I was reading an article, and I don't know who it was, but they were saying that they heard, they'd heard Michael Jordan, or no, it was LeBron James. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how he didn't want to do the bubble again because, like Mm -hmm. we were saying, it's really, it takes a toll on the players. And so they were saying that if that's what LeBron James thinks, that's what everyone else is going to think. Right. They're all going to kind of follow behind him. Mm -hmm.
1: A a big discussion during the offseason with the NBA Players Association, which is basically like kind of the NBA for the players. Um, they always had to come to it. The NBA and the NBA player Association Had to come to agreement For their next season to start And a big Big argument was Not having the bubble uh, and The bubble ended up Not happening this season So the NBA Players Association Did get what they wanted Not having the bubble
2: Did they Has anyone tested positive?
1: Uh, yeah there's definitely There's definitely been Positive COVID tests But yeah, I think the game tonight uh, The Phoenix Suns And the Indiana Pacers game Just got postponed tonight That's um, probably
2: A good thing mm-hmm. Yeah
1: Because there's Positive tests But that goes for any other sports league that didn't do the bubble as well. There's always gonna be positive tests. Mm -hmm.
2: Did other sports teams do this?
1: I know the NHL did the bubble as well. Towards the end of their season, they did the the bubble. Cool. Um, Yeah,
2: that's really interesting. If we take a quick pivot and talk about what we're learning in class, Romeo and Juliet, you can definitely find comparisons and parallelisms between the two. Um, Like we were talking about a little bit earlier how we had the Montagues and the Capulets It's almost like you have the people inside the bubble and outside the bubble facing the common enemy. Obviously, not in the same way. Like, the people inside the bubble aren't feuding with the people outside the bubble like they are in Shakespeare's story. But, you know, they are both fighting against a common enemy.
0: Right. And I think not only is there that contrast of, like, the rest of the world and the bubble, there's also... Since they're all... All of, like, 22 teams are all in this bubble, it's... That's kind of... The, it's kind of like their own little society at that mm-hmm. moment. And within that, there's there's different teams and they are competing. Because mm-hmm. that's what the season is for. Mm-hmm. So there's also that aspect of um, versing another yeah. group.
2: Yeah, for sure. Well, they did kind of like... Yeah. They did do a little bit of foreshadowing even within... Within Romeo and Juliet, you can find it. Um, like when Juliet is like, I don't know if I'll see you tomorrow, mother or nurse, depending on which adaptation you're looking at. But they, I feel like they did that a little bit in, in real life at the beginning of the bubble when they were like teasing it or not teasing it, but coming up with the idea. So I feel like that's another parallel you can look at.
0: Yeah. Cause these are people who like have families and mm-hmm. they're, they're dating people and they have kids and they have friends, but they're Cut off from all of that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
2: Are you? Are either of you for the bubble or against the bubble?
1: I think at the time it was a it was a good idea to have the bubble to, to obviously keep everyone safe. Mm-hmm. And I think it was hard for the players, but at, towards the end, their families were kind of coming in and being with them. Yeah. Also, so that- to fact check that what the NBA normally makes is uh, in the 2017-18 uh, season they made two million two billion dollars. Wow. Um, and then. Before before COVID, it they were making around eight point seven six billion dollars. So, they actually did lose quite a bit of money from the bubble. But
2: still, that's so much money. Wow. Would if you had to decide if you were the person that decided Mm -hmm. for next season or this season or whatever, would you do it again? Do you think you'd put the bubble in place?
1: Uh, I, if I was trying to make money, definitely not. Because I think. With other sports, same I know the NFL uh, and the MLB are allowing fans in their stadiums. Not obviously sold out fans, but uh, there is fans in the stadiums. I would personally not do the bubble again. I don't think you could. I don't think the pl- players would survive eighty-two games without seeing their families, and like that's across like three or four months without mm-hmm. seeing your families. Yeah. I don't. I don't think that's possible.
2: Do you think you'd do it, Asha?
0: Mm, for me, it's like if I was someone who didn't have a family, and like if if basketball was my first priority i think it makes a lot of sense but for a lot of people in in those teams that's not it is a big part of their life but it's not their whole life so it's hard to cut all of that off mhm so if i had that much if i had so much outside of it i wouldn't want to
2: mhm from a business standpoint if i was you know if i'm thinking of i want to make money i I think I would put it in place again. I think I would if I'm not caring about the mental health or the safety of the players in that sense, but it is it is a bit humorous that, you know, one person, like you're saying, can have so much power over what's going on next or, you know, the plan for the future of the NBA,
0: right? Mm-hmm. It it kind of connects, I'm going to bring it back to Rowan and Juliet again, so... In that story we see um, Juliet's father is forcing her into this marriage with Paris Mm -hmm. and it's because that's for pretty much financial and social reasons it's not Mm -hmm. because Juliet loves Paris Mm -hmm. and I think this can kind of translate into that because the people who decide whether or not there's going to be a bubble they aren't gonna consider the more human aspects they're gonna consider the the money Mm -hmm. and so when you look at Juliet as an individual person that she loves Romeo but those feelings don't matter Mm -hmm. and so that might be the same for the people who decide who the bubble is.
2: Yeah it's almost as like if you personify the NBA it's almost as if the NBA and Lord Capulet are both forcing someone into doing something they don't want to do next year.
0: Right, right. Or yeah, not that next makes year sense. Because,
1: like, whatever. as of the players would be in, like, Juliet, they don't only really have a choice. They kind of they have to do what, at the end, make what, the the leader of the NBA decides to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's,
2: yeah, crazy, crazy, um. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm just gonna have to cut this out. So now <laughs> we're gonna talk about our last episode. Yeah,
0: we should also mention adaptations mm. and identity. Oh, I can I can bring in identity right now. Okay, do it. Um, <laughs> so, I think yeah, we're talking about like the the Juliet and the players. There, when there's a leader making decisions for them, the the fe- personal feelings and their identity is not really being considered. Mm-hmm. It's it's more like lord capulet wants the money and the status and the nba wants the success Mm -hmm. so yeah well yeah
2: if you you know if you personify the nba like we were saying before and it has its own identity and it must be difficult for it to find like especially during um, the period of time where nobody knew what was going on with covid when you have to put that part of your identity away having games um with fans and in great stadiums finding a solution like that like adapting to your current situation is i don't know somewhat admirable even if you're not thinking about the feelings of the players
1: yeah at the end of the day though that is their job so like they kind of have to adapt Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and i don't think identity was really valued in the time of Romeo and Juliet like Mm -hmm. like it wasn't really about people and who they are and their feelings it was way more about status because there's like these two rich families and they have servants and so the status and money Mm -hmm. and I think as time goes on that identity is being valued more because we're talking about it because we're learning it in school yeah but that wasn't a value in that time.
2: Yeah, especially for women, right? Like, Juliet's not allowed to leave the house unless she's going, you know, she has approval, she's with someone, I guess, or she's going to church, right? That's mm-hmm. crazy. She doesn't have an identity. Insane. Yeah. Um, well, she does have an identity because she is a person, but not really because she doesn't have any freedom.
0: hmm And we kind of talked about last time how... A lot of the relatable aspects of the characters in the story are on Romeo's side. Yeah. And we we're talking about how a lot of the stuff involving Juliet, like a lot of her, a lot of aspects of her personality and her life, aren't translated very well into today. Yeah. Because those are very outdated. Like being put in an arranged marriage and not being able to leave the house as a woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, my point was, was, yeah, we talked about that last time. Yeah, we talked about that last time.
2: Yeah. Um, I love the magic of editing, because you can just cut anything out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hold on. I had something in my brain, and now it's gone. Oh, yeah, we were talking about in class today how we... We need to feel sympathy for Romeo, but we didn't. We don't talk about that when you're thinking of feeling sympathy for Juliet, right? You do feel bad for her. You feel bad for her because she's not able to be with the one she loves, but not in the same sense as Romeo. Because he's been banished, he's gone through all of this trauma, you know, he's gone through everything. But if you look at the facts, like, he's killed, he killed, like, two people. <laughs> yeah. And well, three, because he did end up poisoning himself. But, you know, still... Okay, so now we're gonna talk about this episode and like a reflection on that, and then yeah, we'll just do our separate conclusions. <clears throat>
0: yeah. Okay, Kaden, do you want to talk or talk about like how? Because uh, the question is what makes an adaptation, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you want to bring that up?
1: Sure. <laughs> um, what What is an adaptation? Uh, so kind of like a question, like if you guys were an NBA player and you're getting paid forty to fifty million dollars. Mm-hmm. Would because the, the players end up giving them a choice if they wanted to go or not. Mm-hmm. They were they were allowed a choice. Some players didn't go. Some players did. Um, would you adapt to the NBA, NBA bubble and stay there for? Uh, it was like two to three months. Would you stay there for two or three months without seeing your family? Dating? I don't
2: think I could. I don't think I could adapt like that. And I don't think, you know, going back to Remy and Julia, I don't think you could. You know, in Romeo and Juliet, it was a lot more drastic. But I don't think you can live without people that you care about for that long. Mm-hmm. And you know, being you know, an adaptation is you know making change, and yeah. change is really scary for people, uh, especially in a sense when you can't when you can't see people you care about because that's like you know basic human right.
0: Mm. Yeah, I don't think I could be isolated like how the players are in the bubble and how. Like we have all been mm-hmm. during coronavirus, and how Juliet was as a girl not being able to leave unless it's for church. Yeah. That's isolating too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I could handle that. And I think that that's a part of adaptation, ad- adaptation that, like, maybe sometimes that's just not possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think it means to adapt? I think it means to change, not always yeah. positively, but
2: negatively. If you're looking at animals, um, you know, let's take my favorite animal, for example, frogs. Um, they have made so many adaptions, like, adaptations. They're just like a, a, a bowl of jello with some bones it's and, like, really, <laughs> really strong, like, back legs. They can crawl incredible distances um, or hop, I suppose, and, you know, their eyes have you know they can look everywhere you can't see it but I put my hands up to my eyes and I'm mimicking frog eyes um yeah so I think to adapt means to change and we see that in nature we see that in Hollywood where they start with books like Netflix most of the Netflix originals are adaptations of books right yeah Mm -hmm. and so I think it needs to change and it's not always positive you sometimes have negative adaptations
0: yeah yeah yeah, I think I wonder what it like how much change has to happen to make it count as an adaptation. Because if you recreated Romeo and Juliet and it was exactly the same same words but you took out like one act. Yeah. Does does I that don't... mean it makes it an adaptation? Probably th- not. Yeah. In that situation,
2: I don't think you're adapting it. I think you know, you're just taking it as an inspiration, mm-hmm. and creating something completely new. Yeah. And the question, I guess, throughout everything is where do you draw the line? Where is, you know, making an adaptation and taking inspiration from something? Right. Which is, like, an interesting question to think
0: about. It's also saying, yeah. interesting to think about why you're adopting it. Mm. Because in the 1960s version of Romeo and Juliet, the movie, it it was adapted because it was a play very long ago yeah, and then people it it was in a time where people watched movies for entertainment and Mm -hmm. not as much plays Mm -hmm. so that's why they adapted it and then you have the 1990s version which is adapted because the old version doesn't really fit with modern lifestyle and values
2: yeah for sure I think they've the 1990s when they tried really hard to make it more modern while keeping it an adaptation and not an inspiration. Yeah. Right? So, you know, there are certain things you see throughout the play that are different, but you can still follow the storyline if you're looking, if you're following along with the actual script, or what we have of
0: Shakespeare's actual Romeo and Juliet script. And we, we talked about last episode... Oh my god. It's so good. Okay, I guess... They're quiet now. (laughs) Yeah, we talked about last episode about. We were all wondering why they kept the exact Shakespeare's language Mm -hmm. in the 1990s adaptation. Yeah. And I thought about it a bit. I think the reason why is because they didn't want to. They still wanted it to be Romeo and Juliet. And Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of the. A lot of the things that made it modern weren't the dialogue, but things like setting and just the actions yeah. and the body language of all the characters, yeah, those kind of tell you w- what point in time you are and how things have changed. Mm-hmm. That's super interesting. So, wh- like, what I'm hearing you say is, you think
2: the Baz Luhrmann 1990s one is, he's trying to keep it an adaptation and not being inspired from the play yeah. by, you know, keeping the same words but changing the setting. Changing the body language and whatnot. Cool. How are we gonna wrap this up? Mm, good point. We just be like, do a summary of the episode.
0: mm mm-hmm. Oh, I have one more point. Yeah, go. It's been like twenty-two minutes, but um, that's fine. We can just cut most of it. Yeah. Um, we also talked about in class and in our last episode about someone someone brought up today something about Cinderella and how every culture has a different version of the Cinderella story mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and how w- it's unclear like no one in the room really knew w- which one was the original people mm-hmm. were like oh it's the it's the grim one it's the one it's the chinese chinese version and so i think and then last episode we talked about we were like Oh, what if in the f- in the distant future the people think that Romeo and Juliet was about gnomes because <laughs> of the adaptation yeah. Gnomeo and Juliet? And so I think that was an interesting idea that with adaptations it could make people be confused about what the original version actually is. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really beautiful metaphor. I like that. <laughs> I don't know if it's exactly a metaphor, but it is a good point. Um, Yeah, that's interesting. I've I've loved having this conversation with you guys again. Mm -hmm. Um, It was great to talk about Romeo and Juliet and identity and the NBA bubble. Um, So, yeah, thanks for talking with me. No problem.